everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Parenting. I am very excited to have with us today Kathleen Leo. Kathleen is a neuroscientist. And um, for those of you who listen to Dr. Denny talking about screen time and brain development, I thought it was really important for us to get into the actual science of brain development. And that's where Kathleen comes in. Kathleen, thank you so much for agreeing to be on um, the podcast. Will you please share with our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Um, yes, first I want to say hello, Barbara, and hello to everyone in your audience. I'm really excited to be here today to share information that I hope that um, listeners can use in their home, in their daily life, and I think the more information that parents have around uh, especially brain development and learning, that it really, one, makes it less of a mystery, and two, parents realize just, one, how important it is, but also um, just how easy it is to change a little bit how we think about learning. Um, My background, um, I'm a parent. I'm a single parent of five now grown adults children, at least they would like to say that they're grown in adults. <laughs> and, and and it's been a wonderful journey, my life with them. Um, I have three girls, two boys, and uh, all different ages, and um, just been a fascinating um, lifespan with them together. Um, I started years and years ago really looking into the whole process of how children learn and brain development and what impacts it based on an experience with my own child, my oldest son, who was and is a uh, individual who has experienced traumatic brain injury due to a bicycle accident when he was 12 years old. Oh my. And he lost all, all functionality. Um, everything and was in a coma for a month he was on life support and as he was coming out of this in phases and and I was very young naive um, I had no idea what to expect but it really started my life path so I started educating myself around these different issues what it does happen with the brain when all functionality is lost and it led me on a amazing amazing journey um he my children are dual language speakers english and spanish and um, english was his first language spanish was his second with the other kids it was spanish first and english second but um long story short what we discovered is that he came back to 95 percent functionality by tapping into his second language, Spanish, and then moving over to English, and that brought him fully back over a five-year period of time. So this real-life experience, uh, I say to many audiences, especially to parents, it, um, it sort of introduced me to every institution that I probably never needed to know anything about. And I think it was a gift. Um, to learn and to absorb and then to share the goal became to share with all parents Um, and then it it led me down a very long path Um, I served as a Dallas Independent School District board member for seven years Um, I served 
at the U.S. Department of Education as a presidential appointee for seven years. And in this particular area, which put me in touch with the um, neuroscientists from really around the world. Um, so uh, my mission became not only to learn, but to give out the information. So we've built different organizations. We work with researchers, with neuroscientists. Um, all kinds of researchers in the world of education and help discover a new field called education neuroscience. So I, I hope that gives you some insight into my background, and if I missed anything, certainly feel free to ask. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, I think it's important for people to know how you got started and why this is important to you because it, then it makes it more real to them. And I think that's mm -hmm. um, really, really important. So let's start at the beginning. We're talking about brain development. You know, everybody's talking about, you know, those first five years of brain development and how important they are. Um, as an early childhood professional, I think it's really important for us to recognize that that brain power is for a reason. I know people really want to want their kids reading by age five and want their kids doing all these other kinds of things. But I have a concern about that. So I'd like you to address those first five years and um, brain development and what goes on and what you as a, as a neuroscientist think parents really need to focus on during those first five years. Well, um, where, where I'll start is what is neuroscience? specifically and you know for parents to understand that what we're talking about is brain development over time and the brain starts learning very early and it's really pre-birth um, the formation of the brain itself especially around language and the structure of language which is the beginning of the learning process begins in the womb and it's the last 10 weeks of pregnancy uh, where the framework for language begins its initial formation and then the structure begins. And the reason why this is important is because parents, even when mom is pregnant, can begin to influence in a very positive way and a very simple way, very simple steps, um, that development even during the last 10 weeks of a pregnancy and simple things that can be done even though they might sound a little different or absurd maybe in some ways but um, first of all that the prenatal formation there's actually where the infant who's in the development phase can hear and so they hear sounds they hear music they hear voices and so you can play music. You can actually talk, talk to each other. You know, if you've got other generations in the household, other siblings in the household, um, you know, significant others, et cetera, they can um, talk to each other and talk to the child. You can read to the child at that point because it's not, you're not focused on developing reading skills. You're focused on developing cognition, thinking. And then thinking comes through the ability to communicate, which is language. 
So that's the primary focus. So um, is that, no, as, I'm sorry, I don't mean ahead. to interrupt you, but I heard over time that it's really good for dad to read to mom's baby bump. And so what I'm yep. hearing when you say that is that it helps to form cognition, but also there are cases where a, a baby will hear dad's voice or hear mom's voice and turn toward that sound. And so is, is that part of what you're talking about there? Yes, it, it starts in the womb and then definitely they hear dad's voice, they hear mom's voice. And right after birth, which is, this is fascinating when it comes to, you know, you're holding your brand new infant in your arms. And what you're not realizing necessarily is that that baby, the infant, hears every single sound that exists in the universe. They're called universal linguists, the little ones. And so they don't really start discriminating or turning their head toward uh, mom or dad until about six months old when they start losing the ability to hear all sounds and they start to really focus on the sound system of that's in the household. And even if it's more than two languages or two languages being spoken, the infant six to nine months begins to distinguish, let's just say mom speaks English and dad speaks Spanish, or mom speaks Vietnamese and dad speaks Arabic. Um, the infant will clearly turn their head correctly toward either adult based on that sound system. They don't get confused, which is amazing that little ones at that age um, really are that smart. You know, because <laughs> yes, they what they're doing is they're they're prune they call it pruning. They're pruning away those neurons, the connectors that they're not using, like they're not speaking eight languages or hearing eight languages, but they're focused on the neurons that are then tuning into the two separate sound systems. Or if it's English, they're tuning into what they call motherese. They clearly hear mom and they clearly hear dad or grandparents or aunts, uncles, et cetera, et cetera. So they're beginning to develop the process of how they gather information and then acquire knowledge, that they're starting that thinking process. Um, and it starts very, very early. And truthfully, the other uh, aspect of this is it never ends. So the whole learning process you could, takes a lifetime because the brain is so flexible. But the initial input is really, really important, and it can start before birth. And then when the child is born, um, it's very important at that point that um, parents have a lot of communication and interaction with the child. And it's not just verbal. Verbal is really important and helpful um, because you're stimulating all those brain neurons that are firing away, um, they, they just kind of don't stop. They're very, very active. Um, and they're building what they call a learning framework. And, and so, and, and the, the other fascinating part about this, which I want parents to understand, it really, it has nothing to do with your economic circumstance. 
It has nothing to do with, you know, what what is available in your household, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's been a lot of studies done about um, economically disadvantaged, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's not so much about that as it is about the relationship between the parents, the relationship to the child, and the interaction, which um, really when when parents are really paying attention and there's the verbal communication, there's eye contact, and then the other really, well, there's two important things. One is, um, you know how, how babies babble? Yeah. And, and we say, oh, they're cooing and babbling and aren't they cute and they're adorable? Well, they're actually talking. That's the first language development process. And you know how we think we're so smart that we're interacting with our child and we're uh, the ones that are stimulating the child. No, they're the actual ones that are in the lead because if you notice, when they babble, we respond. And then you know, we may coo back or we may do a facial expression or hold or whatever, and then they do another gesture and we respond. So they're actually in control. These are smart little kids. <laughs> Wow, and a, a whole lot smarter than we think. And I use the word smart just because um, they are, we, we're stimulating them, but they are actually initiating the stimulation. So it's called serve and return. It's like, like a tennis game, right? They're serving first and we're returning. And we go back and forth and back and forth. And what we don't realize until recently is that we are actually building their entire internal brain structure for learning. Wow. So I know. It, it's really fascinating. Go ahead. I, and I wanted to add um, three things for parents to think about. What's really important in this exchange or in the household or whatever environment you're in is that you are consistent, that you, in other words, um, I remember years ago when, you know, let's just say baby was crying and um, someone from another generation might say, oh, no, 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 don't pick up the baby, it's okay, you know, they, should, they need to cry and this and that and the other. No, you do pick up because they rely on the consistency of the behavior of the interaction between adult and child and they rely on the predictability um, of what's going on, say, in your living environment, in your household. So going to bed at certain times, getting up at certain times, meals at certain times, the more consistency and stability and predictability, stability, yeah, those aspects of your living situation. And, and it's often not easy. I mean, life happens, believe me. <laughs> I've got that. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm I'm not trying to paint a perfect picture. What I'm trying to have, you know, us parents understand is that the more we understand about this kind of environment, then we can build it in as much as possible. Because when the chaos hits, or when the unpredictability hits you still have that trust factor that you've built be between you and your child. So what I hear you saying is that routines are important for kids, not just because yes. it, it helps them to 
expecting, but it gives their brains an ability to uh, to do what? What to does process. Allow the brain to do those routines? It, it allows them to process information and to take in information. Learning is verbal. I mean, what we say in our Education Neuroscience Institute, and then uh, we have another effort that we've had for years, you know, is, is what you want to be able to do is allow the child in the living environment to flourish. And learning never stops. It starts and it just never stops. Um, so, and there are a lot of myths about, you know, what, what happens during that, during that learning process. Well, what we've learned over time is that the key to learning and the key to reading eventually is language. And the way that you stimulate language is through communication, through talking, through listening. Um, and so as your child is developing those language skills, one, two, three, four years old and on up, um, then what you're doing is you're asking lots of questions and not yes and no questions like, hey, did you have a good day today? Yes. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but you want one of the tools we use in of... early childhood is open-ended questions, and it's questions that yes. give, give kids a chance to think about all of the different variables. Exactly, exactly, and 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 to be able to feel like they own their space, you know, through their verbal communication, you know that that. We're, we're not just saying to a child, you know, here, sit down and look at this book. Or right. that, that what we're saying is sitting with a child and exploring, even at home, whether it's blocks or pictures from magazines or a newspaper, et cetera, and you begin to point out and point, up, you know, toward the picture and ask for objects and what color and, you know, what do they see and describe and, and then, you know, pick up a crayon, um, pen, pencil, piece of chalk, and to even scribbling. This is the amazing part. Scribbling is the beginning of writing. And yeah. writing formulates and, um, in a sense, completes the thinking process. It, it builds memory. And so you're starting this process at a very, very young age, one-year-olds. You know, okay. they, they can... Go ahead. I, I, want, I want to back up for a second. Did you just say that scribbling is the beginning of children being able to think things through? Yes. Wow. See, I never yes. would have, I, I never would have thought of that. And so that ha but how much happens when a child uses their eyes and their hands in coordination that that start, that that's a brain thing, and then it carries over. It carries. Wow, that's really fascinating. And it carries it over. It is fascinating, right? Right. Because let's just say one of the things that happens with learning is that when you're listening, you're hearing the sounds, and then you hear words, and then you put sentences together. And one of the things that a parent can do at home 
is attach that word literally to an object. So if a child is saying chair, 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 and you're pointing to the chair because visually that bounces back on the back of the brain and forms the thought and the visual thought of chair and then creates the memory. So now if you've got a little one that scribbles, you know, making circles on paper and stuff like that, and you say, oh, you know, let's, let's outline a dog or a chair. Well, their version of what that is at the age of one, it could be just scribbles. But in their mind, that's the dog or that's the chair. As they develop over time and, and that connection matures, they're actually um, increasing that thinking process and the whole structure of language. So it's reading, writing, speaking, and listening. And it's not when you get to pre-K or, say, in a Head Start program, three- to five-year-olds. or you know, It really it starts at home. Wow. I've heard um, a statistic that said that in order for a child to be ready to enter kindergarten and become literate, they need to hear about three million words before they go to kindergarten. Is that accurate? I think it's fewer than that. Um, I, I think it's around 5,000 um, that they should be, quote, in a sense, mastering. Well, it, that's during kindergarten. That includes kindergarten. Um, well, and there's, there's always been some de- – what you can say is this, is that the larger the vocabulary of a young child, the easier it is for them to read. So the reason I pull back on the numbers of 5,000 or 3,000 is because when you've got multiple language learners and, say, kids are learning uh, into languages at home and they're learning those communication skills, then it doesn't necessarily mean that if my child is a dual language developer that they then have to have 5,000 words in English and 5,000 words in French. Or okay, that, I get that, I get what you're saying, but okay. Yeah. So, but what I was saying is not that that that's their vocabulary, but that that over the process of the years, if they've heard three million words, they're more likely to have that five thousand word vocabulary themselves. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that part. Yes. Wow, okay. I was, thinking, I was thinking more that we were, th- like, mastering that, and I thought, no, I don't even think college kids master <laughs> No, they don't. Dr. Layas, we but, have come close to the end of uh, this podcast, but um, we've already discussed on having you come back again and, and talk more about this, because I really want us to get into um, school age and teen brain development um, as we yes. as we go forward, um, so uh, let's schedule a time for you to come back. In the meantime, I'm sure that many parents, having heard what you have to say, will be looking for more information. So, if you would mind sharing how parents can um, find out more information, um, and uh, you know your website, your telephone number any kind of contact information that you'd like to give parents, I would really appreciate your doing so. Sure. Um, 
if you want to look up at the website, which is Education Neuroscience, but it's www.edu.neuroscience.com. That's all one word. We tried to get it shorter, and we couldn't. <laughs> so... It's would you say it now so that people can, yes. I, I heard you spell it, but would you say it out so that people can hear it? Yes, it's www.edunuroscience.com. Thank you. Edunuroscience.com. Great. And, right. and um, the phone number is 202-731-0008. Okay. And the best way to reach me um, and is my direct email address. We, I, we just respond faster. So it's KathleenLaos at gmail.com. It's really simple. So it's K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-L-E-O-S, like Sam, at gmail.com. Wonderful. Dr. Leos, I appreciate your taking the time to chat with us. Um, I'm looking forward to having more conversations about neuroscience and how parents can use it to help their kids' brain development. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say to our, our guests? Or, um, One of the, a, parting, uh, yeah, a parting thought is this. Um, children's identity is received through your interaction and culture. And it's really important to share all the cultural aspects of your household, your family tradition, because it is who they are. And don't be shy. Do storytelling. Share your stories. Talk to the kids because they will really, really benefit. Culture, language, culture, environment, and experience is what forms the brain's architecture for learning. Wow. That is something that I'd like to leave with our audience. The last thing that we have to say, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited and I look forward to ongoing conversations. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Leas. And thank you, folks, for tuning in to another podcast of Let's Talk Parenting. We've been talking to Dr. Kathleen Leos, who is from uh, the Neuroscience Program. What is the name of your program? I mean, I, I got that email, but what is the actual name of it? <laughs> it's the Education Neuroscience Foundation. Okay. So, folks, thank you so much for listening. We will um, have Dr. Kathleen back uh, to share more information. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening.